Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Should we continue eating rice? An 84-year-old friend of mine likes to credit his enviable good health, low sugar, low carb, stable blood pressure, etc. to the fact that he has not been eating rice. He has simply taken it out of his daily diet. This literally exempts him from the rice crisis that's gripping the nation, but it has not spared him from being asked what President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. should do to stabilize the staple supply and cost. As a former government official, he offers a variety of options. Well-milled rice, if you can afford it, poorly milled rice, if that's all you can buy, and no rice at all, if you can imitate his own rice-free diet. He sometimes suggests, in a sardonic tone, that if he were in power, he might prohibit the population from eating rice at all. But that would be too draconian, and he is not even in power at all. Ferdinand E. Marcos, to whom we owe so many things, good and even controversial, was the first president who taught us that rice was an extremely sensitive political commodity that should never be allowed to threaten the stability of government. Marcos believed that the minute rice disappeared from the poor man's table political support for the government also disappeared. So he never allowed the supply of rice to dip beyond normal levels. In his first term, Marcos tasked his technocrat executive secretary Rafael Salas to work with the International Rice Research Institute and related institutions in Los Baños, Laguna to make sure that the nation becomes self-sufficient in rice. Erie trained many successful agronomists from all over Southeast Asia, whose agricultural production in their own countries even surpassed the record of their Filipino counterparts in the Philippines. By the time Salas left the government to pursue a different career at the United Nations, the government was already considering exporting rice to other countries. In his second term, Marcos relied on a new bunch of technocrats to implement his food self-sufficiency program. These included Secretary of Agriculture Arturo Bongtanko and National Food Authority, NFA, Administrator Jesus Tanchanko, who made sure the market never ran out of the essential grain. Tanko was one of Marcos' most lovable technocrats. He cultivated a reputation of being always in the field talking to farmers. Whenever he would show up late for a cabinet meeting, he would put on his slightly muddied pair of shoes to show that he had just been talking to the farmers. Given this background, and the fact that the government has declared food security as a top priority of the administration, it is not easy to see how the government could have sleepwalked into the present rice crisis. In fact, when the president decided to assume the position of agriculture secretary in a concurrent capacity, we understood it to mean that he was taking no chances on his food security program. What has happened since? A letter from Mr. Raul Montemayor, national manager of the Federation of Free Farmers, published in the Manila Times issue of September 13, provides an expansive analysis of what has gone wrong. Titled The Rice Tariffication Law and Its Role in the Current Rice Crisis, the letter points out that the 2019 Rice Tariffication Law, RTL, which its proponents said would solve the incipient rice crisis, became the very reason for it. Blaming government import controls, the letter said, RTL proponents argued that the private sector could manage the rice market more efficiently. As a result the NFA's importation, regulatory and price stabilization functions were abolished. The agency was relegated to buffer stocking for calamities. The private sector was given free and unlimited reign over rice importations. Imports immediately surged to 3.17 million tons in 2019, up from previous annual levels of 2 million tons or less. In 2022, 
they registered an all-time high of 3.85 million tons. These voluminous inflows, especially during local harvests, led to severe drops in Pele prices. Between 2019 and 2021, farmers' incomes declined by P4,500 per hectare per season, compared to normal pre-RTL figures. Low farmgate prices disincentivized farmers, more so when fertilizer and fuel costs rose starting in 2021. While improving slightly, total rice output did not keep pace with growth in population and demand. Our self-sufficiency ratio, or the percentage of total food and other requirements produced by our farmers, decreased from 90% prior to RTL to 79% in 2021. We became increasingly dependent on foreign suppliers. Rice imports accounted for an average of 19% of our total annual supply during the RTL period, compared to only 14% before that. Meanwhile, RTL's promised benefits to consumers in terms of lower rice prices did not materialize. Studies by the Federation of Free Farmers show that net savings to consumers in the first three years of RTL amounted to a measly P52 per person per year. Importers and traders pocketed the gains from cheaper imports, even as many undervalued their shipments to reduce their tariff obligations. Many now call the RTL the rice traders' liberalization law. Over and above all the points raised in this letter and in relevant forums during this crisis, we continue to hope that the government will continue to fight for the Filipino rice farmers just as the Japanese government, in the last WT0 negotiations, fought for the Japanese rice farmers like it was the most important issue in the world. We continue to hope that the Filipino rice farmer and consumer would see that their government is fighting for them and that we are nowhere near the point where our hungry and undernourished children would have to decide whether to continue eating rice or not. Fstot at gmail.com